This is the Power Pies Podcast. My name is Sarah of Underground Crowds. We hit Bible topics, smash book studies, punch out some songs here and there, and light up his word to strengthen our souls. Thanks for listening. All right, so let's pray. We're still in chapter three of Second Timothy, or Second Timothy, First Timothy, chapter three, and we're going to continue what it takes to lead, um, and how that relates to how we act in our house, um, and how the two should not be day and night. The way we treat people in our house, and the way we treat people outside of our house. And uh, where our equilibrium is going to come from and where our strength is going to come from to be able to manage well our households. Um, yeah, so Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, really just quiet our hearts um, and put our fears aside and the feeling of the feelings of attack or the feelings of um, pressure and all those things that drive us into grasping a hold and trying to control something and nail it down. Uh, I pray that we would just set all those aside, knowing that you are for us, um, that leading and leading our homes is def leading our homes is definitely something you wanted us to do. But even leading locally in our communities, that is something that is a good goal. So I pray that you'd help us um, discern, discern, distinguish um, the divine's perspective on this. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so... Yeah, like, <clears throat> as, as, as I was saying in the, I could be tripping all over this all day. Um, as I was saying, we know this. We know this in our head that the way that we act in church, the way that we handle things in church, um, we, let me put it this way. We shouldn't be a different person on the outside than we are behind closed doors. Um but I've seen people, their reaction to that and their reaction to duplicity in the church and their reaction to hip, hypocrisy in the church is to then just be toxic inside and out the, out the house. I'm real. I'm real. Um, while I appreciate that, it's still not the answer because what our answer is is found here in the character of the Holy Spirit that should be lived out through us. See, it's not us we are trying to take to the table anyway in this realm of service. Yes or no? Does God need us? The answer is no. Does God want us to be a part of what he's doing? Yes. It clearly says here that this is a good service. This is something to, that is the right thing to do. It is honorable. We had verse 1. Here, I'll read it again. It's a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work that he desires to do. Now, verse 13. For those who have served well. 
you had to read between verse 1 and verse 13 to get the, the firm idea of what it means to serve well. And it's really detailed. But instead of leaning in and trusting the Lord to work through us, ups and downs, pitfalls, what have you, because that's what surface is going to bring if it brings people. Instead of doing that, we found the quickest, fleshliest way to pretend we're doing God's work. Because who can keep that up? Who can be nice all the time? I'm sorry. It's not me. And half the time I'm trying to get through a day at home. How in the world? I've got to manage things in the church. It is so daunting, verses 1 through 13. But I hope that it is dawning upon us that this isn't a work done in the flesh. This in no way can happen in and of the flesh. This is not a fruit of the flesh. There is no way we can be kind and patient and, and, and well-planned with our kids and then turn around and be kind and be patient to people who have made the mistake 400 times and are coming about, back and saying that they're sorry again. There is no way this is going to happen but by the Holy Spirit. This looks like a dead person that can do this and this. Yes. I, Paul says what? I, a dead person that doesn't feel any, like, it's, it's almost like this person is empty. Of himself. What did Paul say? I die daily. Friends, it wasn't a choice. He had to. No, you can't. Don't. I, my pastor was talking about the other week how somebody was like, yeah, put me in leadership. I want to preach. I want to preach. He was like, oh, 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 whoa, whoa. I wonder how many slack jaws we would get if we were just straight. <laughs> you can't. Won't ever be able to. Without dying to yourself. Because it isn't you that we need at this table in leadership. It's Christ in you. I just released the lyrics to, to a song I kind of wrote. I didn't write the chorus. The chorus was written by St. Patrick. And the lyrics go like this. I'm having issues with Instagram because they've got all these videos that I want. And you can't just download pictures and videos that you took, which is I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with that. But here it is. 
the chorus is, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Christ beside me. Christ before. Christ behind me. Christ within. Christ beneath this, I'm sure. Christ above. Christ beside me. Christ before. Christ be behind me. Christ within. Christ beneath me. This, I'm sure. Christ above me forevermore. What does that sound like? I'm like, Christ is moving in on the person. On that flesh that wants nothing to do with his ways or his glory. Indeed, Christ wants to take over. Whatever ministry you have set out to do, Christ, it's not yours. Do you belong to him? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Talks about presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. That's a dead walking person. A living, not, my goals are dead. My aspirations are found, not dead, but found in Christ. That means we've switched from what we talked about yesterday, these worldly things that we chased before, fame, riches, whatever it is. And we found, we found that <clears throat> we wanted to buy that house of fulfillment, right? That would validate us, that it would be the end game. This is what we're going for. And we found that if we based anything on our account of Chasing fame, chasing myself, chasing my viewpoints, chasing my, my agenda. That we, that we will always fall short. We will always, always fall short of meeting our goals. And we can know this. That even when we fall short in Christ, he's still behind us. He's still before us. He's still beneath us. He's still above us. And he will hold us up. But when I'm speaking to is those that have long tried to live out in the flesh what can only be done in the spirit. Me, for a long time, and I couldn't be confronted on it, and this is why I'm talking about it. Because it was unfathomable to me as trying so hard in a religious sense to do the right thing, to be told that I was operating with the wrong engine. I had a Mustang, but I was running a Chevy engine. I had a calling, and it was a good calling, but I was running the whole thing by predetermined knowledge, by my own preferences, by just do it, attitude in the flesh 
and the flesh could not work out within itself stuff that was from the Spirit. No matter how hard I tried to obey, the Spirit of God was never coming through that. And the answer wasn't more of me. The answer was less of me and more of him. So when I decided that I couldn't, it was the most freeing thing It was the most enlightening place. And I had the comfort of peace with his spirit. So I no longer had to strive for that which I thought I had to attain to please a God on the throne. But then I realized that God sent his son to fulfill that which what I could not fulfill and that I was operating from a different place. I was operating now from victory. Not to victory, from victory. So that even if I did fall, I knew where to go back. And this is the hope that he, we have. In Christ that he will finish that work that he has started right we don't want to stay in the same place but some of us have gotten very used to staying in the same place and if we were really honest we've gotten worse with that little pet attraction and we we call them church sins like gluttony the ones that we've accepted, like gossip, judging, backbiting, lying, these are all things that are easily hidden. Bitterness. Oh, it's so bitter. I was so, so, so bitter. And I still have to fight the spirit of bitterness. But I can see it. I didn't see it before as long as I was trying to run the show. As long as I was trying to do, do, do. And oh, the intentions are so good. Or you think that they are. And then you realize, no, my intentions were not very good at all. This was all about self-preservation. This was all about getting my foot in the door. This was all about controlling my circumstances, filtering people. I, I play that game. I filter who I want in my world. Yep, Claritin. Nope. Whatever that one is, the starlight over it. Nope. You're gonna need this filter. You're gonna need this one. I filter, filter you right on out of the picture. Oh, when I let go, I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to be afraid of who. I don't have to be afraid. It's still something I'm working on. I don't have to be afraid of who God brings into my life. I mean, okay, call it a trauma victim or whatever. 
It's a true story. People that have gone through trauma, they do, they work overtime filtering people. We, we've been trained to do it. I was trained to do it through bullying. And, and even my son, um, he started watching faces. He didn't understand, like, he, he didn't, there's a learning disability there. That's all I'm going to say. But he, so that he couldn't understand what's being said to him all the time. He would start to watch faces because they were the indicators of somebody was getting mad. So he started his own set of filtering. And we've been working on that. We've been trying to bring that to the altar. He's not ready in a lot of areas. What teenager is? But when you start to see how you've been operating because you start to confess that little stuff that you've been hiding, the stuff that's not little, friend, behind the screen, that behind the Christian screen stuff, when you're like, hmm, that is a problem, God. I say that a lot. That's not cool. And it's a practice. It's like riding a bike. You fall off, you get back on, you fall off. This, and I'm talking about the, the cycle of bicycle of repentance, which is continually going around here. The wheels don't stop on that one as long as you're on the earth. Okay. There's no like put the bike back in the shed, hang it up. No, we are on this bicycle. Get used to it. There's going to be something that God reveals in our heart on a daily basis. It's a thing. It's a thing. But instead of being defensive, which I was at the begin beginning of all this, just push it back. I don't need to deal with that. I don't need to deal with that. Got too much to deal with. That was a thing too. I've got all this garbage fire that I have to deal with. And now you want me to deal with these little sins that don't matter? Yes, 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 I do. I really do. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> if I were to go back and put words in God's mouth, that's not very wise. I would say, yes, Sarah. I really want you to confess sin. Even the ones that you don't think are worth confessing. And when I got myself sorted out, this is the amazing part. When I got myself sorted out, I started to see clearer, in a clearer way, these circumstances that I was going through and how to interpret them. For example, maybe I won't share that example. Um, signs of manipulation or control. Before, I just automatically acclimated to it. I could not see it for what it was. But when I started, it's amazing, it's amazing, really, so hold on to your hats. When I started confessing sin that I just kind of, oh, who cares, put it over there. When I started confessing that stuff and working it out, lo and behold, I could see when I was being manipulated. 
I could see. Oh. There is a dignity. You don't think this, stay with me, you don't think this cycle, bicycle, remember, we're always on it, staying on it, Christian, sorry. This bicycle of confessing sin is going to bring us, we think, we think, it's going to bring us more degradation. Right? Oh, there we go again, being an idiot. And I was, oh, you were dealing with A-class, idiot. I thought that. He just wants to drag me through the mud all the time. Just what's more? Why don't you just get behind everybody else? Was drag me through the mud. Bitter. Bitter. Did not want anything to do with this. Nothing. And I didn't know the Lord actually wanted to help me deal with the stuff so that I could see the stuff that was out to harm me for what it was. And you know what comes with that? Dignity. What's this chapter talking about? Dignity. So if you're like, should I serve or not? I'm going to ask you one question. What is your definition of dignity? And how do you show it to others? <clears throat> Read this chapter. Read it again. And if you're overwhelmed, like I was, am, but the idea of leadership, you're in a good place. Because you can't. I can't. But by His Spirit. Galatians. Here we go. Fruit of the Spirit. This ties in completely to what our first few verses here. It ties in completely. Like, it's a re reoccurring theme. Like, I'm not asking you to just... I don't know how we read this and we're like, okay, manage. Control. We took the word manage our house, control. And we took, how did we do that? How did we do that? Because this control is stern, self-centered. It's about keeping people in line on the line. And it is about, who knows what it's about? What, who, what was the end of that is? But we've seen a lot of kids from ultra, I'm just going to say, too much of an em emphasis on rules that you're keeping side of church churchianity. Leave the church. I mean, they left the church sitting in the pew. Leave the church. They sit in the pew for years because mom and dad would kill them if they didn't sit in that pew. But they left the church a long time ago. Because we took the word manage your house and we said control. And we didn't read these lists. This list of the fruits of the Spirit and connect it to what Paul is obviously talking about. Temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not drunk with wine, pugnacious, gentle, peaceable, free from a love of money. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
that are the result, the work of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life. I pray that we can restore what it means to lead people, that we would remove this idea that you are calling control freaks to take over church service, but you're calling spirit-led, gentle men, gentle women, who exude kindness and hospitality, who are prepared to lay their lives down for the calling of Christ, knowing, verse 16, by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Peace out. Again, thanks for listening. Catch the next part of this series, usually Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. You can also find Underground Crowds on Twitter, Patreon, Bandcamp, or undergroundcrowds.com.